Wow. What the exciting week three we just had. Dolphins put up 70 points, eight touchdowns in the running backs, upsets, Cowboys, Jags, Ravens, all touchdown favorites getting upset. And our friend Dink winning $370,000 on DraftKings. Oof, we got a bunch to discuss. Let's get to it right now. Welcome back to the DraftKings Football Show, hosted in partnership with our friends at DraftKings. What a week we just had. Oof. I am just coming off watching the end of that Raiders-Steelers game, and how can we not discuss that before we jump into the rest of the week? But uh, I am I'm usually, like, I think that people on Twitter, I'm included in this, like, we're often a bit too critical of coaches and these in-game decisions, but... This clearly is not the case of what just happened. Um, I mean, let's set the stage real quick. For those who, you know, didn't make it to the end of the game, fourth and four at the Pittsburgh eight-yard line. Raiders are down eight. There's two minutes and two, two minutes and 22 seconds to go. Obviously, you're going to go for it. You need the touchdown here. And what do they do? They kick a field goal. They kick a field goal to make it from eight to five. You still need a touchdown you were inside the 10-yard line. You were on the 8-yard line, and you decided not to go for it. You're not going to have a better chance to get a touchdown, most likely, and you gave that up. Now, even, I don't know, like a minute and a half before that, on 4th and 5 from the 29, again, when I would have expected them to go for it, they decided to kick the field goal. There was a penalty, so they ended up having more chances. But, like, I mean, maybe you can convince me that it's worth it to kick the field goal there because it's 4th and 5. If they get the first down, they're still not a guaranteed touchdown. But, like, ah. Oh, Fourth and four from the Pittsburgh Day, just absolutely atrocious. McDaniel, McDaniel's like bad, bad, bad. I don't know how like you can justify that. I'm sure we'll be you know talking about that on Monday and hearing from the press conference, but that just seems like an absolute horrible decision. But that's okay. We're moving on because this was the most exciting week we have had it this year, no question. I mean, top of the line by Dolphins there, putting up 70 points, eight touchdowns from running backs. I don't think this is ever. I'm, I'm, I'm going to say there's no way that. The team has had eight touchdowns from the running back before. This is the third most points that a team has ever scored. That 70 uh, almost broke the record of 72. Could have had a late field goal, but hey, didn't want to rub it in a little more, I guess. Um, I've had some threads previously on the value of handcuffs in best ball. If you had A-Chain and Raheem Mostert on your team this week, you are dancing. You are happy. Uh, no way I can play them both in DFS. Uh, I saw a couple of people doing that. That was just insane. But um, yeah, if you had either of them, you were very happy. Mostert was, I wouldn't say chalky, but was definitely a kind of core piece of building in that kind of value mid-area running back um, running back areas. And then other than that, this was really a week of alpha wide receivers really showing their stuff. I mean, Justin Jefferson, Tyreek, Devontae Adams, Keenan Allen, all with huge days. Each of them had at least 149 receiving yards or more. Each of them had at least one touchdown. Keenan threw his touchdown, but hey, we'll still give him credit. But um, this was definitely, hey, the alpha wide receivers showed up, putting on, and it was it was just a fun, fun day to watch some football. On the tight end side, scoring was a bit more subdued. We didn't have these late-round values, these kind of like uh, you know, late-round draft picks have their good days. Kelsey had a decent one, got his touchdown 69 yards in front of Taylor Swift. 
Uh, Fryermuth got a late touchdown. Sam Laporta was the big one that we'll touch on in a little. But like overall, for best ball stands, if your Titans really didn't do much, it's kind of okay because it's not like you really miss out. Like when, hey, you have wide receivers that aren't one of these elite ones, the guys that go off. We're talking J.J. Tyreek, Devontae Keenan. They put up 40s, 50s um, on DraftKings. That's a substantial gap. But on the tight end side, even the best tight end scores were still only around like that 18, almost breaking 20 area. So you really aren't losing out that much um, from like a, hey, season-long advance rate standpoint. But yeah, if you were able to, in DFS, have one of those guys that, um, especially with Durham Smythe and Dalton Kincaid being pretty chalky and kind of dudding, uh, if you did have one of those tight ends that actually went off, you uh, really got that differentiation and saw that value leverage. Speaking of DFS, let's review cash. Whew. This week was a eliminate DST from DFS week. This was where if you were on the bills, you were putting up, I think it was like 32 points on the day. If you did not have the bills, uh, it was going to be very, very difficult to cash from a, um, from a cash standpoint and you were pretty much impossible having a chance to win any tournaments without the Buffalo Bills. They went off, um, I think right now, Washington, probably a lot because this Bills had nine sacks, but Washington, uh, Sam Howell has the most sacks taken and is on record to have the most sacks passing uh, David Carr in one of his early seasons. So Washington will be a team that we continue to target from a defensive standpoint, but uh, 32 points for the Buffalo Bills, just insane. If we want to take a look at the cash lines, extension of what I talked about last week where the single entry cash lines last week were about like, I think it was around four to seven points, depending on the contest lower. And again, we see the same thing. The single entry cash line this week was hovering around 166, 167 for the $5 for the $10 max that you can enter the 150 lineups. Those were 173, 174. So again, seven point difference. Um, it is substantial. If you Continue. I continue to push this, but uh, if you are not trying to max out everything in cash, there are a lot more tournaments you should be focusing on, even up to that $250 single entry. That is just so much better of a value from a chance of actually cashing than playing in these $150 max, uh, $5, $10, $25 uh, double ups. Um, from a cash standpoint, for me personally, um, I... Oof, um, so I had a cash line of 161.78, ended up just outside of most of the single entry cash lines. ended up getting some of mine, probably about like 30% of my money back through head to head and through some of the kind of smaller uh, 50-50s where I snuck in. Um, but it mainly came down to, I just did not have the Buffalo Bills. Uh, I'll go position by position because there was no actual like chalky one cash line team that was you know, substantially owned ahead of the rest. I think the highest owned ones in the max and uh, um, those 150 max was only like four or 5% owned. But if you look at the actual player pool, you can see there was a lot of kind of uh, congregation around key players. So from a quarterback position, I played Kirk Cousins along with 77% of the people in these big GPPs. Uh, outside of that, Mahomes and Geno Smith were the next highest at five and four. You can see a lot of concentration around Kirk Cousins from a running back position. I went three RBs this week. I went Josh Kelly, Tony Pollard, Alexander Madison. Those were four or three of the top four owned running backs. Josh Kelly, 73%, Tony Pollard, 32%, and Alexander Madison, 24%. Zach Moss was the other at 30%, which ended up being a pretty strong play. Um, not only 
was he you know continued his full workhorse role in the passing game as well uh, actually looked pretty decent as well um I don't feel bad about the Josh Kelly. Josh Kelly put up 2.7 points. I mean, he had 73% of people played him in that game environment at his price. He was pretty much like a must play. Uh, the Tony Pollard and Alexander Madison kind of got some bad run where Tony Pollard uh, still rushed for over 100 yards, but obviously they got upset by Arizona. Not what we're expecting. And also three receptions for negative one yards. Um, not what we're usually expecting from Tony Pollard. If I could have got a little more run from him later, I think like that might have been a differentiator, but still he was 32% owned. So even as you're chasing, you're still chasing kind of with a high owned guy um, from a wide receiver. There were yeah five wide receivers that were all um, more than uh, a third of the field owned. So Mike Williams at 61% I played. I played Tank Dell at 41% and Tyreek Hill at 36%. The other guys, Justin Jefferson at 59, Christian Kirk at 36 and then it really te- uh, teeters off after that. Of those five, I mean, hey, Mike Williams, Tank Dell, Tyreek Hill all went completely off, hit those really strong. Justin Jefferson and, and Tyreek Hill were pretty much around the same price and did about the same. Tyreek Hill outscored Jeff- Jefferson by about three points. Um, and then Christian Kirk caught a touchdown, but uh, was a bit lower, front, only around 15 points. So nothing wrong there. Uh, Durham Smythe, if we look at the tight end-wise, Played Durham Smythe. He was on 63%. Zach Ertz was next at 16%. Neither of them scored more than three points. This is where I was saying where a majority of the chalk, that's 62, 17, um, 72, 79, almost 80% of the tight ends scored fewer than three points. So if you did differentiate there, the next highest on was Sam Laporte at 4%, who put up that 22.4 points. Um, obviously, that's extremely helpful. And we'll get into the DF, we'll get into the kind of tourney side of things. But really, it really came down to was in that defense. The Bills in this tournament was 45% owned and put up 32 points. I played the Commanders at 18% owned and put up one point. So that 31 point difference, or you might've played the Jets. They were the next highest owned at 18%. They put up four, but just making up for, I mean, hey, 31 or 28 points, that's at the defensive position, extremely, extremely difficult, especially when the rest of the field is concentrating around the same players elsewhere. So when you unfortunately take a stand, and I didn't realize it was going to be at that large of a stand, I didn't really feel comfortable that it was necessary to pay up from the commanders that I think it was 2,400 up to the Bills at 2,900. Um, I'm usually just not going to be paying up for defenses when I really liked everything else that kind of came with that lineup. But that was the difference. You have the Bills, you put up another 31 points, and you go from 160 to 190 points. Um you have the commanders instead, and you finish at 161, and uh, you know you miss the cash line by a couple points. Wonky week is what it is from a process wise. I don't really dislike anything. Um, I mean, yeah, my two duds in the line of the snowflakes were Josh Kelly and Durham Smythe, but again, those were owned 73% and 63%. So, uh, and from a process wise, I'm still pretty comfortable with both those, especially once Waddle was out. Durham Smythe um, running the most, you know, running substantial routes. I think he was running the most routes. Um, per QB drop back. Um, so no, no, no upset there. It's just, yeah, unlucky with that Bills one. Let's go over though to the uh, tournament side of things. Huge major shout out to our friend, Drew Dinkmeyer at ETR. Took down the 333 Wildcat for first place, $250,000. Also another $120,000 in other tournaments with that same lineup. Uh, we'll do a quick review of that lineup because I mean, it is a, it's a really pretty lineup. And uh I have a feeling that people who listen to this are going to be like, I was on a lot of those plays. We're probably all around it. It really was. And it comes down to, in my mind, it was the Sam Laporta. 
But uh, let's jump into it. So this was a Herbert double stack with Keenan Allen and Big Mike Williams. Hey, pretty straightforward. You know, no Eckler. Those are his two primary pass catchers. We saw Mike Williams is taking more of a, uh, like increasing his slot usage. He's getting more higher, uh, easy targets to catch. So uh, we like that. Keenan Allen, obviously the alpha in that offense. And uh, both of those two went off with Herbert as well. And then on a bring back, he went with Alexander Madison from the same game. Gets you leverage off of Justin Jefferson, who he wasn't able to afford, paying up for a QB and those two, you know, hey, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams aspect. Um, and let's see, what else? We also have Raheem Mostert, who was leveraged off Tyreek. So now he gets both the running backs who we like from a projection standpoint, or Raheem Mostert and Alexander Madison, who are both leveraged off of the elite wide receivers on their team that are going to be high owned in tournaments. Turns out both of those elite guys ended up having great days, but Raheem Mostert obviously had an even better day and Madison's was still good enough, putting up 17.5. Uh, other wide receiver was Christian Kirk. If you ask Dink, he'd probably say like he wanted to get some access to that Jacksonville passing game with so much of Houston's secondary hurt. Um, and at 5,400, Christian Kirk and, no, and, and Zay Jones out was a nice piece there. Uh, final two slots were so also the flex. He went Elijah Moore. Um, probably this was just kind of like a hey, price fits and also going to be a low owned play. Ended up coming in at just under 3% ownership. And Amari Cooper was kind of the one being talked up all week, even though it was just that, you know, in general, both of them could hit against that Tennessee secondary that it is a pass funnel. Uh, Elijah Moore didn't do too much, ended up with 13 points. But the big one that I've been talking about, Sam Laporta. Coming in at 8% ownership in that Detroit offense that we do like. I mean, hey, you're playing in the Dome. Um, and, yeah, Sam Laporta put up 22.4. One receiving touchdown, 84 yards on eight receptions from a talent. We love it from a usage. Um, it, you, know, you don't have David Montgomery. Maybe you think they're going to throw a little more. I didn't even consider Sam Laporta in my player pool at all. So, well done. Props to Dink on this one. He obviously also had the Bills that put up the 32. That was necessary. Um, but amazing, amazing hit. I know at one point he was actually uh, looking like he had a chance to win. I think it was like $700,000. Ended up falling in a couple spots, but still taking home $370,000 on the day. Not too shabby. And uh, hey, if you were out of the meetup in New York last weekend, Dink joined us. So uh, I'm going to say that, you know, maybe we had some really good, deep conversations at that meetup that led to Dink taking down all of this cash. All right. On Thursday's show, I highlighted kind of the two games that I was targeting. Uh, one of those was obviously on that um, the Minnesota LAC game. Not you know, not surprising there. It was the highest game total. It's where all the action was. The trick was trying to figure out how do you kind of get unique. What do you you know what? How do you actually play it? And uh, Dink went with the double stack and Madison to get off the Jefferson, um, which hey, I like that a lot. Uh, for me, I ran a bunch of those uh, Herbert stacks in the Superflex, ended up with five of those teams in the top 50, which is kind of all around the right plays, but missing one piece here and there and didn't have enough um, and didn't have enough kind of, didn't have any of the Mostert and Tyreek together or any of those kind of Dolphins together as well. Uh, I had a rule in my uh, optimizers that it was, hey, if it's not part of a stack, only have one player from that team. So it would actually not allow me to have anyone like Raheem Mostert and A-Chain or more, you know, reasonably Mostert and Tyreek Hill. Maybe that's a flaw. Maybe, hey, we should build for games that Mostert and Tyreek Hill can go off together. Like it's obviously possible with this offense. Um, something I'll have to think about going forward. 
And then the second game that I mentioned on that Thursday show uh, was the Houston and Jacksonville. And um, I guess you could say we were right about Houston because I mentioned there like, hey, I wanted to have that CJ Stroud double uh, because it's just so, so cheap. Um, but did not expect like this just complete dud from the Jacksonville side. I ran one tourney lineup, um, which was a CJ Stroud tourney lineup that caught one min cash. It was CJ Stroud double back, uh, double stack with Collins and Tank Dell. Nico and Tank Dell. I used Calvin Ridley as the bring back. I had ETN in there for most of the day and then started just kind of thinking that Ridley's ownership was actually going to be lower than we we're expecting as people moved on to some of the more elite plays. Uh, and it turns out his ownership was not that high, but he didn't do too well either. Tyreek was my payup wide receiver, had a ton of him all throughout. Uh, loved, loved just kind of the spot for that. And then my two RBs were really hurt were going Pollard and Josh Kelly because I was so contrarian elsewhere. I figured, you know what? I could go chalk at the running back position. Also played the Bills D there, um, but is what it is. Nothing too special there, just min cash. Um, yeah, so uh, that's kind of quick kind of rundown of this day. Overall, um, hope that you guys kind of hovered around. If you did go after those games, um, interested to see kind of what were your results. Shoot me a tweet, put a comment or something out there. Um, but love to kind of get more um, thoughts on like, hey, did what worked on Thursday? Did you attack those games? Hopefully you played the Buffalo in cash because um, we know how important that was. Uh, but we'll keep this short and sweet as uh, it's kind of just a like, given my recap, rapid recap of the week. And, uh, you know, I will be back on Thursday as we look forward, take a look at, you know, for what games we have going um, on Thursday. We will go going ahead to see where our games will be targeting. Are there any other nuggets? And uh, I think we might do some best ball discussion as well, because I've been doing a lot of these DraftKings uh, in season ones where each week they open up a new tournament. Um, and maybe, hey, a resurrection coming on the underdog side of things. So if there is, we'll talk some best ball this Thursday as well and kind of how we should be adapting uh, for the in-season tournaments. So lots of fun there. Well, thanks for joining us. Cheers. And uh, if you haven't yet, hit that subscribe button and, uh, you know, you'll get this directly to your feed each week. Appreciate all of you for listening and continuing to come back to it. Have a great week.